And we are live for another episode of First Strike. This is KYT. Before we start the show, I'm going to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic is the Gathering singles. This week, special sale, Black Friday. A lot of stuff, almost everything is like at least 10%. There's some 25, 50, and up to 70% off. So sleeves, deck boxes, of course, Magic Singles, Pioneer, Legacy, like every single is on sale. So go to FaceToFaceGames.com. Of course, we started the sale on Tuesday. So already some, some crazy, crazy people are, uh, the, the crazy sales are coming in and our shipping department is, you know, I, I guess there's going to be a lot of, a lot of work for them to do in the next week. I don't envy them at all. Tonight, we've got a special guest, very special guest, someone I've known for a long time, I think, a very long time, a Canadian, an avid, avid wrestling fan, someone who I consider, uh, there's been waves of MTG Fitness here and there, but someone I view as the current leader of MTG Fitness and recent PTQ champion, a face-to-face game, WPN qualifier champion, Tyler Nightingale. Welcome to the show, my man. We've already got some fans. Well, thank you for having me, KYT. It's a pleasure to be here with these fine young gentlemen, especially these Jonathan Zhang. I don't know if you've ever met the guy, but he's fantastic. His dimples are great. <laughs> John, John, I've seen you blush there. I mean, how are you taking these compliments? Very well, very well. Nice to have you, Tyler. That's why we got you on. <laughs> Um, Keith, Keith Capsing in the chat wanted me to mention that I forgot part of your credentials that you're also an RNG specialist. I apologize, I forgot about that. Um, we've got oh yeah, you definitely have to add that in. I definitely <laughs> got some tournament RNG when I won the PTQ. To be honest with you, so uh, that you know sometimes you need things to break your way, right? <laughs> definitely. Um, we've got a lot to cover today in terms of like people qualifying, making it to players. So we got Andy himself also uh, clinched during the same. We can so, but but let's start with you, Tyler. Tyler, uh, a lot of us, oh man, I've known you. I feel like since forever. I mean, I start, again, I keep bringing it back to when I, I used 2010 as my date because that's when I started Mad Deprive and meeting people at GPS. So it has to have been almost nine years, which is kind of crazy when I think about it. So maybe a little bit about your history and if you've been as into Magic as you were back then in, in the last few years. Just a little quick update for people who don't know much about you. Yeah, no worries. So I started playing Magic uh, pretty much a decade ago um, in New Phyrexia, and I opened a sort of War and Peace, and I was like, is this card good? Like, should I take this? And my brother just turns to me, and this is like a casual draft at a store, and he's like, yeah, 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 you should take it, you should take it. And I proceed to then open a Mirroring Crusader. I'm like, is this good? Like, does this go well together? So then that's kind of like the, the combo-rific thing about Magic that I really enjoyed um, that, uh, yeah, kind of struck me in, and um, I've been playing Magic pretty competitively ever since. Um, and... I essentially, um, I've always been kind of a PTQ grinder. I just enjoy uh, playing uh, high level in Magic, and I'm definitely one of those players that doesn't queue for Pro Tours as often as Andy does. But you know, we're we're we're, we're hopping along. Sometimes the skill it it takes a while to build up, right? So, um, but uh, yeah, I just have fun playing the game, and I enjoy the community a lot more than anything. And the Canadian community is great, so. Uh, yeah, I've just been uh, pretty hooked on the game since, and I kind of 
uh, the the one key marquee thing that I love about Magic is like um, just an example of it is like when we went to dinner with Hayne for his birthday and it was just a number of different Canadian Magic players and we bet Hayne to do something pretty crazy and he just went up on the the chair dancing. So <laughs> yeah, those are the types of things about Magic I really enjoy is just like when you win and people congratulate you or when your friends win and because um, someone uh, Hayne put it to me like this, he said, you know, there's only one person in the room that's going to win a tournament and like likely like once you start to know people like it's usually someone you know so you get to just kind of have fun with the people that uh, are doing well and when andy won like the first thing i i did the night before was like oh congratulate him obviously ask him about his list because i played something similar and uh yeah then i ran it yeah i think that's something sweet about this like ontario kingston montreal type you know we a lot of us who have grinded for a while, like we know, we know each other, and and, and that's always something that's sweet to see. Um, so there was never, a, I guess, a lull in in your competitive drive. That, like, were you co- trying the, at the same level for the past few years? Uh, so it changed uh, back when I went to university because I didn't have as much time to play, and also uh, I umpire baseball, so I do some things on the side in the summer. So there were like may, a, a few seasons where I just didn't really try to qualify or didn't play as much. So it's on and off, right? Because life gets in the way. Uh, but uh, especially recently, I've been playing a lot and uh, I've been shooting my shots, uh, whether it's online or uh, in in paper. And I noticed that face-to-face had these WNP qualifiers and they were similar to PPTQs. And even though I'm glad PPTQs went, they're actually really good for me because I I enjoy smaller tournaments. And I think that there's a lot of easier ways to gain edges in smaller tournaments because you kind of know who's who's playing and uh, you kind of know what type of play styles people have. So Because the, the Toronto competitive magic community is, is not really that big. Um, so... Did you did you make it in the first qualifier, second, third, or fourth? Uh, I I luckily made it in the first qualifier, so I had to play one, um, and uh, I was to be honest, like it was a pretty shitty standard. So I'm <laughs> glad I only had to play one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Let's just fast forward to this tournament. What was your your prep? What deck did you end up playing? Um, so I ended up playing Jet Sky Fires, but I wanted to shout out Omar Belden and Isaac Crute, uh because they were the people that I work with for this event because it was a smaller event and we kind of knew who uh, was playing in it. And for our prep, we kind of looked at um, the top decks. Uh, Twitch Rivals happened very recently before that, so we could get kind of a scope on what types of decks people were playing. Uh, there was an online PTQ that was won by... Uh, Jess Guy fires as well. So we looked at that, those results and we basically came to the conclusion. Well, Omar came to the conclusion that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Jess Guy fires is uh, the thing to be playing right now because um, even though th- the deck is disruptable, people aren't really doing it, things in order to be able to beat it right now. Um, and then from there, we were like, okay, what are the top few decks people are going to be playing? And then we figured out that the three decks that we thought were most prominent were uh, cats, um, uh, Jess guy and some sort of flash deck. So those were like the three main uh, contenders. And then we built uh, our deck based off of that. 
Um, now there's a few mistakes in my deck. I'm not going to say my deck's perfect like Andy, cause he thinks his 75 is just right there on the spot, you know, <laughs> win the tournament, your deck's insane. But, uh, yeah. So, um, the conclusions we came to, uh, and led us to believe that Aether Gust specifically, um, was a card that we should be playing and in high numbers. And, uh, that kind of gave me an edge in both mirrors and against black green, which is what showed up. Um, Andy, did you have a chance to see what he played, ended up playing? Like the uh, yeah, I did. Five? I checked out the list. And uh, there are some things that I do agree with uh, that make the list like potentially better. Like I like Aether Gust quite a bit. And like the list I'm currently playing is playing Aether Gust. So I think like that was a really good idea that I didn't really catch on to. But like uh, I wasn't really sure what to play. I was working by like with just me and Elliot right before the event trying to figure out exactly what I should what we should play because Elliot was considering playing the deck too. So uh, we but both, at least my metagame, I had no clue what people were going to play because it's just like Ottawa. I don't live there. <laughs> it's just all people I don't know and some random people from Montreal who would come up. So I had no clue what people would play. So I kind of hedged a couple spots and you could see that in, in my list. Well, Elliot, well, why, why didn't you end up playing that list? What uh, was a card availability or uh, anything no, I had the car. I had the whole deck sleeved on my kitchen table, uh, but I was really flip flopping between both Green Black Cat and the Jeskai Fires deck the night before. I ended up reaching out to a bunch of people. I talked to Tangrams, for example, who was in the top eight of the Moto PTQ that night before, and uh, it started out. The chat was he was telling me you have to play Jeskai Fires. It's absolutely busted. Like deck's unbelievable. I'll, I'll ship me ship you my list as soon as I'm done. And then by the time the top eight had played out, he was like, Elliot, you've got to play cat. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and so it was like, how, how can I take advice from someone who top aided a PTQ playing Jeskai Fires and is telling me to play cat and not follow it? So I, I ended up playing the cat deck, like very similar to the Bautatina list that came second in that PTQ with the four uh, casualties of war. Uh, in hindsight, obviously, I wish I played the Fires deck. If, if it went two for two, winning the Toronto and Ottawa PTQs, that's obviously scoreboards in their favor. But I, I was confident with both choices, and I, I guess I just flipped wrong. <laughs> um, going back to you, Tyler. So, but but how was the field like? How did the, it's got to be like a usually these Ontario. Tournaments are it's like a who's who of, of the community, the Ontario competitive scene. Yeah, so essentially, um, pretty much the uh, a bunch of people from Southern Ontario Magic were qualified because if uh, you're a degenerate like me and want to qualify for the Pro Tour, then uh, there's going to be a ton of people that you know there. So um, the thing that that really the reason that the Aether Gust, for instance, was a good choice is because you're way more likely to play against tier one decks uh, and you're way more likely to play against uh, decks that are kind of safe choices. And uh, Aether Gust is good against a lot of them. So uh, just for example, Jamie Archdeacon, who top eight, he brought cats. Um, there was a few flash decks, but there was other Jeskai Fires mirrors, which I thought Aether Gust was very good against. Like I played against... Um, uh, Daniel Golchol, uh, Gould Ducat, if you know, uh, him at all from, uh, Moto, but he, uh, played, uh, the, like I played the mirror in the finals and, uh, Aether Gus was really strong there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
uh, hats off to the the other two people I work with, both Isaac and Omar, because anytime you work with people and one of you wins, I think that's a success for the group, not just yourself. Um, and uh, the reason that it is is because Magic's such a high variance game that uh, any anyone on any day, given day can win, and things just have to break your way. So I want to stress on a one specific uh, concept of the tournament that um, I think a lot of people had a little bit of difficulty understanding. So in the last round, I was X1 um, and I chose to play because even though if I lost, I could potentially be out of top eight because if, if I had won, I would have been on the play the entire way through the top eight because all the XO, XO1s drew. And I think being on the play is just so important in like obviously overall in magic, but especially with uh, fires and fire. And I knew there were going to be a bunch of fires decks in the, um, in the top eight. And so I really wanted to maximize um, my percentages being on the play. So I ended up losing and sneaking into top and then being on the draw the entire top eight and then winning through. But uh, I, tr even though, I would still make the same decision again because I go to PTQs to win the tournament. I don't go to PTQs to like just top eight or come second, right? And I know that seems like a fairly obvious thing, but um, most people that I talked to were like, oh, why don't you just draw into top eight? You'll get into top eight. But like, I just don't look at it like that. And um, that was something that uh, Omar had stressed to me as well. Inter interestingly enough, I'd, uh, yeah, my opponent asked for the draw in the last round and I also refused. And uh, decided to play for seeding because I felt like if I draw, I could potentially finish fifth. And then that, at that point, it's the same as losing because the first round of top eight to me is the most important round. And uh, so I played and ended up winning to finish second. So I was on the play all three rounds of my top eight. What was Omar stressing, Tyler? That that you should play or that he, he wanted you to draw it, to be clear on that? Oh, okay. Just to be clear, he was stressing that I should play because... Okay. Um, and it's funny enough, I played Andrew Naylor in the, in the, uh, quarters and I lost to him, uh, like for the potential winning in, um, and he had, he was first seed and I was eighth. So I kind of got my revenge in the top eight. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he was stressing that I played because realistically, like these are one shot tournaments. Uh, you're either first it, for me, it's either first or nothing. So I even proposed a potential, prize split in the finals so that one one person wouldn't leave super unhappy but uh daniel Golcho refused because he quotes i'm on the play yeah. and i'm going to win and this is not close and i'm like okay well if it's not close then let's do this and <laughs> wait why did he yeah, say it was, it was not close it's, it's a mirror why did he say it was not close i love this i actually love this <laughs> Uh, cause, cause Daniel, he just likes to have fun and we had, we had a fun match and, uh, there was, uh, a lot, a few interesting decisions actually, uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, there were multiple matches in the top eight where my opponent had fires of invention on the play and I didn't, and I ended up winning those games. So, um, it's, uh, kind of interesting how things worked out. Uh, I mean, there's a, f there's a few key decisions in the fires mirror that you have to make right and if you don't, you will essentially lose. Um, so what we figured out, uh, Omar and I and Isaac, was that essentially in the Fire's Mirror, it's more like a tempo game than it is anything else. So if you use your Teferi's wrong, where you don't get to bounce your Fire's at a, on a certain turn, or you don't cast your Fire's on a certain turn, uh, you can actually lose tempo advantage. 
and once you play a fires and play your spell, you now have two threats in play that your opponent has to deal with. And in the mirror, that's really, really difficult. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got to plus your Teferis, man. You can't just minus on an empty board, you know? But, uh, yeah, it is what it is, and um, I'll take it. Yeah, Golden Cat actually has been on this show twice. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just... I mean, I know John, the rest of us also, but John specifically has has a lot of respect for him, and and he knows this. He knows this. I've talked to him about it. Like he comes on the show, and he can he has a zillion ideas that he can just spit out and fill multiple podcast episodes by himself. So um, I haven't had a chance to interact with him too much in person. I don't think I'm I'm not even sure if I met him yet, but uh, I wish I was there for this match, like especially you against him. You know, talk about talk about high energy versus high energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so essentially, like it, it was, it was just a really great feeling to play against someone who uh, I I've teamed with in the past, and I just enjoy playing matches against uh, against him. Friendly guy, and uh, we had pretty good games. Uh, I know it's a little bit stressful when you're both playing for an invite. Uh, I mean, I can understand uh, a- anyone at any point because you know you're mid-match and you know you really don't want to screw up because you know that it's it's really hard because the mindset has to be just play at your best and and the rest will come but i know that for a lot of people including myself it's not necessarily the easiest when you know that this is an opportunity to uh potentially qualify for a pro tour or players tour sorry so uh Remind me, like, what? where does this um, land in terms of all your accomplishments? How many times have you made it to the Pro Tour? Where does this fit in into, into that? Is this like... Uh, so uh, this would be my second, I guess, Players Tour. Um, and I've come close a few times, um, lost a few uh, potential win-ins. Um, and, yeah, I guess things just haven't broke my way for a lot of ptqs uh back in the day i used to top eight ptqs and um i would go through like the ringers of like lucas's basement and then right. i literally would play lucas in the top eight <laughs> and he would just demolish me like so <laughs> it's like there was one tournament where i lost round one i won like nine rounds in a row or 10 rounds in a row and then i played lucas in the top four and he just would demolish me and for anyone who doesn't know who lucas is this is lucas Seow, uh the one of the best players I've ever uh, met and one of the smartest people I know. Um, I hope he's not watching this because it's going to give him a pretty big head. I love that. I love like it's like a video game. I oh, mean, I finally destroyed all of Lucas's basement henchmen and now I lose to Lucas, the end boss. I love it. Um, <laughs> so actually, let's, while we're, we're, we'll, before we move on and stick to standard, with Andy, uh, let's, let's run through your tournaments as you play the same deck. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, similar to my last story where I won a PTQ. I uh, sort of found out about the tournament by accident. I had a Saturday off, and I was going to play the mocks. And then I saw someone post about going to a PTQ, and I was like, well, I should probably go. Like, I have almost no Saturdays off. I can't play any, like, preliminary events. And this one's, like, preliminary and open. You can, like, get a free invite into it for, like, uh, the earlier events. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go. I found a ride. And I end up going in round one. I play against what I would call one of the worst matchups, like a blue-red flash deck. Like th- you have some cards that are good, but I just I drew a lot of the the giant, the three mana giant, the shock one, and that card's like your best possible card against them. And so I drew a couple of those, got pretty lucky, and then the rest of the tournament, I just 
I just kind of crushed everybody. And like the last round where I was playing to like, like, I guess I should mention, I got incredibly lucky, like quite a few times, like impossibly lucky. So playing like for seeding in the last round, my opponent has like a Chandra in hand. They're at six life and they have like a three of the life gain lands that I have justifiers. I scry two, scry two, and then I see the Cavalier. I'm like, well, I'll keep it. I Cavalier, I discard a card, and it's exactly a creature just killed in that turn, so I don't have to worry about that game anymore. So it's just the actual perfect in the perfect order. And then uh, things just kept going my way. In top four or top eight, I just uh, got I killed them on turn five in game one, and then another game they missed a land. And then in top four, I played against uh, Wilderness Reclamation, a matchup I would call pretty bad. But thankfully, I'm on the play. So on turn three, the, he shocks, and I just jam Teferi because uh, I don't have anything else to do. I'm going to be tapping out the rest of the game. And it resolves. And then on turn four, I have, like, the Sphinx. On turn five, I have my one of Brazen Borrower to bounce this thing and then play it to put him on a two-turn clock after hitting him. It was just incredible to get that lucky there. And then I so I win in two games, and then in the finals, like game three of the finals, I'm super dead. My opponent has a rot, like turn two rotting Regisaur, and uh, then they play another creature, and then the game goes really long, and eventually I'm like dead on board, no cards in hand, and I drew my one of Wrath, and then that card just Wrath is board, and then I play the guy, and then I cast the next turn, I draw Kenrith which I knew I put there. And then Kenrith was insane. Kenrith uh, on, like, drew me multiple cards and won me the game all by itself after that. And then uh, I beat Philip Garreau in the finals, and there was tons of green-black. There was green-black everywhere, and there was, like, f a few of us on fires. But at one point, there was four, yeah, four undefeateds, and three of us were on fires, and the other was on green-black. So I think uh, it was certainly the right choice. And like Tyler touched on, the way it kind of worked is that people were like putting cards in their sideboard for it, but they weren't putting enough. That's for sure. And they uh, they weren't ready. Like they couldn't. They didn't have a good enough game plan against it. Like against a lot of the green black decks, I could just keep like four lands, fires, cavalier, cavalier, and just win the game very easily. Because they don't put any pressure. They don't disrupt me at all. And uh, honestly, just it felt good to just get lucky for a whole tournament and. Uh, <laughs> Qual finally qualify for back-to-back -back PTs, which is something I've wanted to do for a while, obviously. Hmm. Um, I've I've talked with Alex, who, who, are, who has told me that he's going. He's decided to not go to Phoenix. He's decided to go to Japan. Are both of you basically going to Phoenix? Any have you locked it in? Or uh, I've locked in Phoenix. I already have a testing team and everything, and uh, we're basically going to run back most of the same people that I tested the last Pro Tour with. Okay. So uh, locked into Phoenix for sure. Tyler? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm locked into Phoenix. Uh, I just, I don't know if I want to necessarily uh, pay the little extra for the flight. I, I understand that Phoenix is going to be a little bit bigger, but also a lot of the people I know are going to Phoenix. So I, to me, like it is a little bit about the experience. I know I, I'm losing a bit of equity in some sense within the tournament, but uh, I'm going to get one of those numbers so I can get some of the, the tax back from the tournament. So, Okay. Um, well, let's wrap up standard. Elliot, anything of note in your tournament in your deck? Um, don't play green-black cat. 
it's like extremely busted, but it's just not worth the brain power. <laughs> it's de- it's one of those decks where you'll even if you're playing it at like ninety five percent capability, you're gonna end up making so many more mistakes than someone playing a deck at eighty percent, like a regular deck, just because every every end step you're faced with like thirty d- decisions. <laughs> it's just absurd. I, actually, we we had someone in the nation for Strike Nation, Andy um, Jennifer Kratz. Uh, I'm a huge fan of hers, and she wanted maybe some last words on the deck for someone grinding up the Mythic Ladder. Would you take your list, or you like Aether Gus, take Tyler's list and, and go from there? Uh, go ahead. Um, I would say uh, I like Aether Gust. I think I think Lava Coil's time might might have passed. I think it might have been really good for uh, the tournament that I had played. But I think like Questing Beast is like mostly gone. But I think uh, Aether Gust is still pretty good. So. I think that's where I would be, is I like their Aether Gust plan. I think I might like the four castles and maybe cut uh, one of the Sacred Foundries. I can't get behind on. I think you guys played too many of the Fetch Land, which is like super bad with your Sphinx, and that came up comes up all the time for me at least testing. I wonder how you feel about that, Tyler. Um, I'm not going to lie. Brainstorm fetch is a pretty powerful interaction, but I guess if you're brainstorming already, it's okay. Um, I, I actually, Omar insisted that I play four Vantress and it's loose not to. And now that, uh, I'm, I've played the tournament. I would have cut the shimmers and play four Vantress and 28 land. Um, also something to note that we, I don't think we touched on, uh, is uh, I know we both agree with this, but some people were touching on the Sphinx of Foresight. Uh, I'm extremely high on that card. The fact that, like, I just had so many people keep sevens, and then they just weren't good enough. Whereas, like, in Mulligan very aggressive. Like, I won on lots of Mulligans because of Sphinx of Foresight and just Vantress and ways to recoup your advantage. So I just. The, the way I, I like to build this deck is to just be more consistent a lot of the time. And even if you don't have fires, you're still able to kind of churn through your deck. Um, but I don't really want to have to use a, a ton of uh, cards and because um, I want to be interacting on the early turns. Uh, something I figured out about this deck specifically is that basically if you can interact on the early turns and are able to use your, uh, to be able to cast your five drops and uh, Vantress to cycle through your deck, you're going to win most late games. Um, one of the main ways you lose is they run you over and even your, even your Clarion sometimes isn't good enough. So um, if you get into a late game, I think you're significantly advantaged against most decks. So that's kind of how I would. Yeah. One thing we both did is we both uh, didn't play any shimmers or drawn from dreams. And I think, so I got that kind of uh, insight from, uh, I think his name is Jeff Pika on Twitter and uh, Tangrams. They were talking about how much they hate those cards. And that was actually one of the first inspirations for me to, go up to 28 lands and just play more castles because I thought like when the games go late, I really want the castle in the early turns. I don't want to be casting this on turn two. I think it's acceptable to cast a shimmer, but I don't think it is acceptable to cast it on any other turn, which is kind of the reason I just didn't want to play them all at all. So I think that's uh, an important innovation. I don't know if I want to call it an innovation, but it's an important uh, thing. I think it's just not play the selection and use Sphinx as your selection. It's kind of like the perfect card where it's one of the best cards to be in your opening hand to help you find fires. And it's also just the best follow-up after you cast fires because you don't have a lot of good fours. 
Yeah, two of the major things that we took away from Tangrams in his top eight, which he either worked with Jeff Pika or got the list from him originally, was the 28th land. Tangrams originally had 29 with Forecastle, which kind of felt insane at the time, but maybe that's where things should be and they were just geniuses. And Lava Coil was the other one. They were originally playing Prison Realm, but there was a huge uptick in thrashing Bronthodon from the green-black deck as well as the Casualties of Wars. So well, casualties is in is in a vacuum incredibly powerful, and your deck sort of revolves around having an enchantment in play, so it is strong. One casualties destroying a fire is, is beatable, but when it's optionally destroying a your prison realm and getting back your, their their threat, that's when it starts to be risky. And lava coil killing thrashing brontodon killing midnight reaper without letting them draw a card, it was just, I think. I know Andy Andy can confirm that was a huge thing for me going into the tournament, even though I didn't end up playing the deck. Yeah, no, uh, Lava Quill was, was very good for me. Uh, like, I Lava Quilled some cats that, like, it doesn't <laughs> feel like it does a lot until, like, super late game you realize that, like, so many more things would be happening if this cat existed. <laughs> and uh, another important thing is a lot of people talk about, like, the Feo Wishes. So I was originally on Feo Wishes because I thought it would give me an edge in the mirror. But I think actually what really comes down to the mirror is about all you want to do is is do your thing. You're kind of, you're kind of nut draw. And Fae Wishes isn't that good. And Fae Wishes is much worse when you don't have fires. And at least you can function when you don't have fires in the regular version. And it also opens up your sideboard for the rest of the field. So that's kind of what I... Uh, one of the reasons I decided not to play Fae Wishes even though I, I wanted to because I thought it would give me an edge in the mirror. But after board, I think you're, you weren't favored which is, was a big deal to me. Hmm. So I did just want to mention something. Um, when when building my deck, I had the mirror in mind. Uh, I mean, I also had Aether Gust. Uh, the reason I actually just kills everything in the mirror, and Lava Coal is pretty dead in the mirror, and also uh, it kills things like Lovestruck Beast that you wouldn't be able to kill otherwise like justice strike because had that mirror potential um just being able to two mana kill any of their uh five drops pretty relevant also like if one of their five drops stayed in play for a too long of a period of time you could still lose that game like the red cavalier or the or kenrith so uh, i just felt like i gave justice strike a little bit of mm, okay um i think I think, I think it's a great lots of content for people that want to pick up this deck and start grinding up to top, I guess, 1,200 now in Mythion Arena. Good luck to Jennifer. Good luck to, uh, to everyone else who's doing that. Uh, it's a bit of fun. Um, well, I'm assuming I'm skipping John. I'm assuming nothing nothing for for standard, right, John? Okay, I'm good. Um, Tyler, what uh, what's this MTG Fitness? How did you start this up again? I think like. I love when you your energy and then Fournier goes crazy laughing. That's that's a combo that I love a lot. So uh, where did you start this this new wave again? Okay, so first of all, hashtag MTG Fitness on Twitter. Uh, that's that's you know what I've been living by that brand a little bit now. And uh, I mean, think I think the reason is is just because uh, when I go to Magic tournaments, for me at least, uh, it's not only just about the Magic. Like I go because there's a community. And because uh, I really, really enjoy the, uh, a lot of the people that I get to see. And this brand, uh, so to speak, that I go by is 
that a lot of magic players kind of need some help with um, trying to get in shape. And I think it's just good that when you sit down for hours playing a card game, you play usually when you go to convention centers, you, you eat shitty food, you uh, don't necessarily get enough sleep. And to me, I just want to promote uh, active and healthy lifestyles. And uh, to be honest, I think that there's a lot that goes into uh, fitness, uh, mental health, as well as physical health and uh, staying hydrated when you play a tournament. Um, so there's just a lot of things that go into uh, this. And I, I don't know I, I think I've started something and I'm going to try to uh, push it forward. So uh, if you ever want to work out with me, you're more than welcome. I'm in Toronto. Anytime I'm at an an event or uh, uh, we have time, I definitely down to go to the gym with you. Take a little video. KYT. I'm going to get you in the gym for sure. You have to come with me. It's not, this is, this is, uh, this is non-negotiable. So now that you've got me on here, it's too late. Um, I, I gotta know, this is what I want to know. How are you inspiring? Are some of the people that you have in your videos, you're, you've inspired or decided to come with you at the beginning? Like Fournier, we saw like a cameo of one Sean Dollywall, the detective. I mean, what, how are these people showing up? He might be frozen at this, right, Elliot? Andy? Confirm? Deny? Yeah. Yeah, froze. Oh, fortunately. I, I really wanted to hear him. We saw Sean Dollywall, I think. Okay. You might okay, be back. Sorry, okay, I think you're I'm back. back. Am I back? We're you're good. You're back. You're back. Okay, awesome. I can't. Okay, my connection is stable now. I mean, I'm an unstable person, but my connection is stable, so that's that's good. Okay, so uh, yeah. So first off, we started with Sean, and then we started with Fournier. Um, and I'm gonna get Andrew Naylor on, who's way more fit than me. It's just crazy. This guy he works out all the time. Uh, but I don't know for anyone who doesn't know the Naylor brothers. They're actually the nicest people in Magic. Um, I'm sorry, KYT, but, uh, yeah, they, they truly are probably the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and it's going to be nice to get in a workout with him. Um, and yes, he is more good looking than Paul Dean. So, uh, it's going to be great to have him on video, but, uh, yeah, we're just going to try to get some more guests on and, uh, we're going to be, uh, doing some more videos and getting active. But you just... So did you start it with them or did you inspire them? Oh, I inspired them and they came on right. my, uh, sh- my show, I guess, to, to put it lightly. They're not, it's not really a show because they're only like 30 second videos. <laughs> um, maybe we'll increase them as it goes on. <laughs> that, that was the key question. I was like, I mean, did you, well, that's pretty sick. But when did you start going back to the, to the gym regularly? Has this been, is this a recent thing or, or it's been years? Oh, so I, um, I've, I've pretty much been working out uh, since I was in high school because I used to play football, uh, baseball. Um, I just kind of the problem is, is uh, I have, I'm really, really competitive. And when I realized that I couldn't go pro for pretty much any of these sports, I uh, decided to uh, start working out pretty heavily um, on my own. And uh, university, I worked out and there's a little on and off. Uh, but I got back to working out uh, about a year and a half ago. And I've been going about four to five days a week ever since. And it's uh, a pretty uh, hectic uh, lifestyle. I can see why a lot of people don't work out regularly because when you have to really fit it into your schedule and if you want to uh, really see a lot of results, you need to, it's, 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 it's kind of a lifestyle change in a sense, but like everyone can make little steps, right? Um, eating a little better, uh, getting a lot of sleep, 
um, obviously exercising, but um, you really only need 20 minutes a day, um, which is really not that much to most people. And you can uh, be fairly active. So I think that's a common misconception is that you, you know, you need to strive to the gym to go there for an hour or two hours. Um, I do that. But again, I can see why other people would not want to do that. But I'm just trying to encourage people to get active and when you're playing card games, there's a lot more outside of the game than just uh, the game itself. And I've seen this game turn very, very good people into very, very salty people. And um, this is uh, f- from a number of different things. The fact that it's high variance game and that we, you know, uh, you're a lot of people have competitive drives. But the main thing to recognize is that there's ways to kind of help yourself within the game to uh, kind of strive better. And uh, even just, you know, you hear a lot of pros, they talk about drinking water during tournaments and being hydrated and having a few snacks. And it really, really is an endurance battle when you're playing a 15 or 16 round tournament, right? When you're playing a GP, like I've had a lot of GPs where I start off really, really well. And then I just, brick right at the end and i can tell you that it's not all luck you know like it's not and you see these players that consistently have uh reasonable finishes and it's because you know it's not they are good players but they also take the steps when it is a long tournament to be able to uh be able to hone it in in the later rounds and that's that's kind of the difference between a certain player and a different type of player right so uh before i move on to something else i did want to comment on the on the nice thing because uh, I, I pride myself a lot for the rep I've, I've had over the years of being a, a, a nice person, and I'd say one of the jolliest guys that uh, that actually I know. But there are some people, and, and I, I believe it. Like there are some people that just like they they have this nice aura that like impresses even me of how nice they are. I'm just like I'm just completely mind blown um, by those people, and I'm just now also thinking back when Reed Duke appeared on the scene and everyone's like, this guy is the nicest guy in magic period. And it's just like, really? I mean, I've had a game with him. He's pretty chill, but there are people that are just like mind blowingly nice. Um, and, uh, are way nicer than me. And I would be glad to admit that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, have you net, met any of the Naylor brothers at all? I, I have not. I may have, I've met the, I've met the Lucas base some of his, his henchmen, but uh, not all of them in, in person. Oh, they're nicer than you, Car. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. I believe it. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, th- that's the thing is. Um, I mean, th- one of the main reasons I n- didn't used to hang out with them as much was because uh, I mean, to a certain extent, I still am. So, but I was a little abrasive when I was younger, and uh, I. I think that uh, I, I'm trying to uh, get away from that and kind of mature as a person. And I know you've known me over the years, and I've always been kind of uh, really outgoing. And it ju- I just kind of want to talk to everyone, and sometimes that comes across a little too far. So I get that. I think I think it has evolved. I think before when we first met, your rep among some people, some of my friends were like way too, way over the top, way too high energy. And I think. I don't know. I think for for them, you've you've gone down to you know, it's like the ceiling now. Like it's like good, good high energy, and uh, I mean, I just see genuine. I rarely see this. I, I'm telling you, I'm repeating this. What I see Fournier's face when he looks at you sometimes, it's just like, um, 
I don't know. He just—it just looks like he genuinely finds you insanely funny, and for me to see that is just an experience. Just to see like that image, in my, and it's still stuck in my head. Like how I was filming something with him, interviewing. You appeared on the show. You started talking, and then he's just like so excited. And then that video you filmed of YouTube—he's also like super hyped to be in that video. And I mean, I don't know. It's just—it's just really good for me to experience that just seeing you two together or experience anything content that you two do together. Yeah, actually, I, you know, I'm going to sit here and, and I'm, I'm going to be quite honest on this podcast. So he, here it comes. Uh, Andy actually used to just really, really dislike me. And that's, I think that's putting it lightly too. And oh. essentially I, I kind of had to um, evolve that into like showing him that I am a genuine person and don't mean bad amongst people. And, that actually took a little while and you know now Andy and I you know it's 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 chipper it's great now you know we, we put the past behind us and it's it's it, damn it feels good for sure so. <laughs> yeah we had we had a bad interaction and uh it has uh, since been uh put put behind us <laughs> I love it I really do and it was I just remember it. it's just like people were comparing your energy level to your brother who was a judge where I was a lot more calmer than you in comparison. So that was always interesting as well. Is, is that, was that real? Like, was he a, a much calmer personality or we were, I was just making that shit up in my head. Oh no, you were definitely not. My <laughs> brother is, uh, he's still way more mature than I'll ever be. And uh, he actually, he actually was one of the people that kind of helped me calm down a little bit because I would get really, really hyper. And then he'd be he'd <laughs> tell me like, dude, I just, Take a take a few steps back because the thing is, is a lot of the time you don't really know how. Uh, at least, sorry, I don't really know how I'm necessarily coming across to another person. Right. And you really never know how you are. So um, until you really get to see it. Uh, so I'll be honest with you. I'm going to look at this uh, taping afterwards and see if I, I saw anything. You know, but uh, it should be. It, yeah, it's. I, I've just always been that type of character and, my, and I think the reason that my brother was such a good judge and I, I'm not just saying this because he's my brother um, was that in a lot of scenarios to him he would just he understands what it's like being a player and he understands what should happen within the game and he's not going to go through a lot of unnecessary steps to be able to get to what's resolved so if both players know what's happening he's not going to take you know 10 minutes out of the match to to do something where he could do it within one or two minutes. Um, and I think that that separates kind of the judges that uh, players might have bad interactions with over the other judges. I know that sometimes it's going to take longer to make calls, but I don't know if uh, Andy or Elliot have any other uh, things to say, but I think that that uh, when you have interactions with judges like that, it's pretty good. Uh, he didn't take my calls most of the time for obvious reasons, but uh, I think, that um, I don't know if he took any of your other calls, but yeah, I think Andy Elliot. Yeah, I've, I've interacted with your brother as a person more than I have as a judge, and he's a good guy. You guys are seem like nothing alike, that's for sure. At least your mannerisms, like your demeanor, like you. I know where you are in the room at every moment. I could go a tournament and not notice Ryan. I think when I first met them, my reaction was that. Nightingale's not a very common last name. How can there be two of them? <laughs> There's no way they're related. Was he even at Montreal? See, I don't even know if your brother was at Montreal. 
No, my brother has since then stepped away from the game. So okay. he uh, has a fiance now where uh, he's uh, trying to establish a life for himself. And uh, I think there it comes to a point at times when uh, he just doesn't have time to judge as much anymore because he's uh, doing other things. But I mean, I, I know he still follows the game. Uh, he congratulated me on my win and uh, he's uh, still he still knows kind of what's going on, but is definitely less invested in the game than he was before. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to, I mean, it's, it's sort of related. There's been a plethora, plethora of controversies uh, on Twitter, Twitter drama, whatever. But uh, sort of related to this is, um, you know, you're, you're still an avid wrestling fan. And I love that. I've been watching. I watch stuff here and there because I'm, I'm all about, again, the story, the, the branding, and I guess the finishing moves when they look cool. Um, but you're very much into it, right, still? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely still into wrestling. Uh, I just really, really enjoy uh, how people are able to tell a story creatively through uh, athletic movement. And it's it's actually pretty interesting uh, to find people who can who can raise voices, who can uh, get people talking. And there's definitely people in the magic community that are able to do that and are able to get people talking and in a funny way and clever way. And uh, I'm going to shout out uh, Brian Braun doing, cause I think he's very, very good at this. And uh, I think that uh, when you have a brand and you're able to uh, keep people entertained, it uh, surpasses just the game. And again, I, 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 I do harp on this, but I, I really, really think that uh, being doing things outside the game uh, will help the community and foster the community more than just the actual in-game itself. Like people like strategy articles and like deck lists and cyborg guides, and I get that. But I think that there's more outside the game than just that that's important to touch on. So, uh, I mean, I, I always revert back to Magic because this is a Magic podcast. Uh, but in wrestling, it just exacerbates that it is just only storytelling and it makes you feel a certain way and when you're able to do that able to kind of make people feel a certain way are big draws um your table for two podcast uh with alexander hayne who i love by the way great great guy uh is very very good at doing that so he has specific takes and talks about specific things that really really draw my attention and other viewers attention so, um, I, I did want to break, like, that's why I wanted to relate it to, to wrestling sort of because, uh, everyone has, I don't know if you have strong opinions about this, but everyone has this view about how Watsu should have been pushing this from, like from a long time ago, from the, let's say the MPL, the pro tour, uh, the team series and all these things to try to, I guess now promote it as an esport or promote specific personalities and um, I don't know if you've had like strong takes or opinions of what they should have should should not have been doing. Uh, I think that they've made a lot of mistakes, obviously. But again, when you're dealing with a company that has a lot, first of all, they're under Hasbro, so they have uh, those people that they have to answer to. Um, something which is interesting to note is that you always answer to someone. So even if you're the owner of a company, you still answer to your uh, investors to your uh, employees to your customers, and so what Watsi has done is they've they've only gone halfway with a lot of the things that they've actually uh, with they've 
with, with what, how they've marketed. So at first they marketed to the players, right? There's this scene, there's this pro tour, there's this epic thing that you can, uh, that you can qualify for, which grants you some amount of money and some amount of prestige. And so the game had to get bigger. And as they did that, they actually, I think that the way they approached the pro system was actually pretty poor because what happened was they didn't, they didn't give a lot of notice for the MPL. And what happened was a lot of, there were a few people and uh, I'll give an example, Corey Burkhardt in particular, who is 33rd, I believe in standings and they took the top 32. So anyone from like 33rd to 64th just basically kind of got screwed in that year because they didn't know that they were trying for something. So uh, there's a number of different things that they've done incorrectly, but uh, I think the move that they made to go to esports to take the top X players in the world and showcase them, I do think is a good move on their part, even though it screwed over a lot of people uh, because you need the way that the game grows is you need to highlight very, very specific people. And it's very hard to do profiles on let's say a hundred or 150 people because realistically like you don't necessarily you aren't able to necessarily follow and the average person within magic isn't necessarily able to follow all these players so when you when i throw out a few names at you uh, that are in the mpl you're most likely going to recognize them and that's kind of what they want uh they want that the only thing is is the MPL splits that they have every week and those types of things that are within the the construct of the MPL uh, are not really viewed that much. And because they remove coverage, it actually kind of de- de- uh, detracted from the game overall because a lot of, even just for, for me as an example, like I, I used to watch a decent amount of coverage and now I don't really have much coverage to watch. Um, I can watch streamers, but like people want to watch other people try to qualify for the same thing they're qualifying for. And they, and even casuals want to see like other people like them succeed. That's why you get people in a higher variance game looking to potentially make it because they know that there's a potential chance, even if you're not necessarily um, at the top of the game to, to kind of succeed. Right. So that's the, the game was built on a foundation really, really well. And it has not progressed it, they had to progress certain things, but now like they have so much more that they have to envelop because of this. And uh, yeah, those are my takes, but I don't, I don't, I don't really know because again, I'm not a, I'm not Watsy. I, I don't know um, exactly how to do this. I, I'm not an expert <laughs> in this. So, right. Uh, right. But it's, it's been yeah. fun listening to you talk about this stuff. Uh, it is interesting. And, and I think, I think what you said is like a lot of it, if not all of it, I agree with. Um, so I'm coming back to this because of, of the recent, well, I'm going to get to it soon, but right now, do you think they're doing a good job of the 32? I guess they're not marketing them in a way that you think is the most effective to get people to cheer for, to relate to any of them. Yeah, I, I don't actually, I think, I, I think that, uh, one of the big things that they need to do and I, uh, they do this in wrestling too, is talk to them and have face to face interactions with them. And like, so if you have fans, right. And you want people to be invested in something you need, first of all, for them to have matches, which matter a lot. Okay. For me to be invested in and which, which by the way, buys at the last, 
uh, mythic championship are not bad. I, I, uh, I don't necessarily see that as a, uh, a draw. Um, and you also need them to be highlighted like much more than they are. I think, uh, also you need to highlight. It's like when you're, when you're, when you're doing a sports program, right in baseball or basketball or in hockey or any of these sports, what they do is they highlight the up and coming minors. So they know like who's in the hunt for the MP or for the, uh, for the uh, professional circuits. So for the MPL, they, I think that they should highlight people who are potentially able to qualify to get in people who are close. Uh, the, the, um, the drive just needs to be there for people to want to view you. Like you need a draw. And right now I just don't see a draw. Okay. Um, so I, I do want to John, I'm sorry for talking about all these things that you might not have to say in, but of course, you always like tweet at us, uh, not tweet at us, but bring in tweets in our private for strike chat. And I think the, the one of the big things uh, this week, but it's a topic that that's come up before, and we've talked about this before when it comes to discretionary invites. Um, and I think our take has always been like, you know, they can watch it's free to invite whoever they want. And um, but I'll just let you take it away, John, because I just want to hear your voice on this episode. Sorry, what was the question? So, what, what do you think about the whole discretionary invite drama? What's your What's your take? Mm, I think I really think it's really hard to have a constructive uh, discussion on Twitter where, like, where you're limited by um, you're limited by character limits, and you know, it really is a nuanced uh, topic. There, it's not black and white. It's not like everyone like there should be infinite discretionary uh invites it's uh, it's not the answer is also not like you know we shouldn't have any you know like i, I generally think that diversity promoting diversity is very important for not only you know just for, the, for diversity's sake but also to promote and grow the the game as a whole and but the way they're doing it the execute the method methodology and execution and where they do it and how they do it is also very important and i think they've been butchering it a bit and people people generally on twitter you know especially with this hot take and cancel <laughs> culture etc i think they i think people really focus on the tree within the forest and as i said like there it's really impossible to have a constructive uh, conversation on twitter and you know there's a lot of people just that's just arguing bad faith so i don't really um involve myself in it but um, I, I think their intent is in the right direction. Their execution and how they do and who they do it to, et cetera, can be improved. But it's uh, I, I hope they I hope they clean it up. I think they've generally been better with the communication and the execution of the, uh, things like this. So I have some hopes that they'll uh, try to clean it up. But we'll see. I, I know I, I know it's a tough topic to talk about. I don't, I don't Tyler, if you, you have a hot take on all this stuff. Oh, I got a, I always got a hot take on something, but I don't know how hot, hot of a take it is. Uh, I just don't think that discretionary invites to award mythic points. I think that that's a pretty bad uh, mistake on their part. Uh, in reality, like for people to miss the MPL potentially because they, they had a, someone get a discretionary invite, in my opinion, is just wrong. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree with the discretional invites given. Um, I think that they should choose who they want to represent their brand. That's, that's on them, um, for sure. But I do believe that, uh, in order to make the MPL, 
I, I, I also don't even mind, honestly, discretionary invites to the MPL. If it happens, it happens. That's, that, that's kind of reasonable for them. They, they are a brand. They need to represent them well. But for the, the players that are qualifying for it, I don't believe that mythic points should be awarded to discretionary invites. And many people have potentially not been able to make it because of it. So. You know, I had some friends that were wrestling wrestling fans, Tyler, while I was just talking, that were fuming that Tyson Fury was was <laughs> at a pay per view match. Honestly, uh, like I said, this is another uh, discretionary invite yeah. to a pay per view of a WWE pay per view event. If you think about it, so like what the WWE did is what Watsy did essentially, right? Like right. he just got a pay-per-view invite because he's a popular person and he's able to uh, draw a crowd in. And I think if you are enough of a draw, like it, here's an example, the rock showed up to a USC a UFC event for the, for the weigh-ins. Yeah. Like it's just when you're popular enough and you have a draw, you are worth a certain amount. And I think that's, rel- I think that's fair. And for Watsy to give away discretionary invites to people because they have earned the slot, however they did is, is reasonable. Whether, like who they give it to is a different story. Obviously, like, like we, you can all, you can debate all you want about that. But I, I think giving discretionary invites overall is a- an active positive thing for Watsy. I, I do believe so. So uh, if you're enough of a draw, I think there's no, I have no problem with you getting a discretionary invite. Now, should your invite award mythic points? No. <laughs> um, so just to detail a bit more, like the Tyson Fury was the the is the lineal heavyweight boxing champion and got a match at uh, WWE pay per view. And The Rock actually not only was in the weigh-ins, he actually came before uh, came out before with the belt before the official match between Nate Diaz and. Uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal. So, yeah. Um, Elliot, do you have anything to add to, to all of this? A uh, bit of a minefield. I think that representation is very important. Discretionary invites are important and good for the game. And that nobody's really arguing that this system is perfect. But even the suggestion that Tyler made, which seems maybe like a no-brainer of them not awarding Mythic points, still isn't perfect because people can still miss out on mythic points because of the existence of people in the tournament. Uh, you know, if you have someone with a discretionary invite who knocks you out and you miss the MPL because of that, is that just as bad? Who knows? It's, it's like an almost impossible situation to have a discretionary invite to such an um, important tournament with such high stakes. And I think that really in the long run, the people who are going to be missing out because of, discretionary invitees winning points and winning matches at these invites at these invitationals slash big MC tournaments is so small that it really doesn't matter. And in the long run, it's kind of all going to balance out. Like what if Andre Swarovski, for example, is one person who I believe received a special invite to the upcoming mythic championship and, you know, is now in a position where he could qualify for the MPL next year because of it. But, you know, maybe next year he misses the MPL because someone else gets a discretionary invite. Like, it's kind of good. Not very often is someone going to get so many discretionary invites that they accrue so many extra points that they didn't earn the MPL on merit or something like that. It's just, it's all going to balance out. And the representation is so important. I think it's worth it. 
Andy, I need to, to finish it off. Uh, yeah, I basically agree with Elliot. I think uh, the representation matters more than the the few players who end up missing out. I think it's just more important for the game as a whole and for everyone who plays the game. And I think the feeling for everyone is more important than the feeling for the few. So I think, uh, I think they're good. Should it be different? Probably. But, uh, as it stands, this is better than, uh, not having them. I think, I think I would, I, I like, I would like a world where like, I don't know, a third of the MPL even is like discretionary invites. I can see that if they're uh, <clears throat> like if it grow helps grow the game, I think uh, it's more important than like showcasing the I don't know people who finished uh, I don't know twenty fourth to thirty second or whatever. Like I'm not sure if it should be a third. I'm just saying that I <laughs> I wouldn't mind discretionary invites to the MPL if they're not already there. I don't remember. Uh, I I'm not for for me like I don't even know. Um, I haven't looked at the entire list for this one. I don't know how streamer heavy they, they've been like before they, they have like, um, I think I've seen a few basically tweet out that they've been invited and they're either streaming on, they have a Twitch in their profile. And then, you know, I, I do feel for someone like the, our, our own, uh, Jennifer Kratz, Andy, uh, she's been playing, she's been at it for a while now. And I think she made a tweet, like a, a lot of these women girls make a tweet, like what, what do I have to do? Do I actually have to, you know, go on a streaming and do that? And, um, so I don't know how I feel about all of that, um, in terms of whether they should be a bit more transparent or not about the exact process and, and, and a great way of getting there or, um, I mean, I don't know if transparency helps because I don't want them to set guidelines and then not invite people who will help grow the game better than others because they didn't fit within these guidelines that they had to set. Like setting parameters for discretionary invites is just going to shoot themselves in the foot. They should definitely just, they're discretionary. They should just make their own decision. I do feel for someone like Jen, she's one of the, the best female players out there. Same with Chantel Campbell. I think they're both incredible. I think uh, I would hope that their their time would come, and it sucks that people have to be like left off the list because they're very deserving. But uh, like everyone who's in there is deserving. So right, right. So you're right. Like I, ah, you're making me lean one one way now in terms of how I feel about. It. But like, yeah, in my head, it's just like like these two names are are, are constant names I hear in within Canadian magic and that, that are, that have been at it for years. And it's just like, I'd be so happy if they made it. And I, yeah, that's why, like I, other than not really knowing how I feel about it, I just want to put it out there that if they made it, I'd be ecstatic and feel like they uh, would represent the game super well. And I would be completely ecstatic for them if they were invited. Yeah. hundred percent agree. The two big fans I am of theirs. Um, and I am a big fan of theirs. <laughs> and, and there are others that I'm, we're, we're not clearly not naming. There's, there's just more than just them, but they, they would be two people we would be happy to see. And I mean, I just, and I think, I think they would be the ones because they've been at it for so long. I, they would motivate me, even me, to like just jump back in and, and play a lot more. Because um, it's always great. To, the uh, it's contagious. Um, we're gonna get. John, to, to speak a bit about Pioneer before we, we call it a show. 
people have been grinding, I guess, all week on, on Moto, taking weeks off, but, but John's been a good boy. He decided to, to work, but you've been keeping your pulse on the Pioneer meta. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cl- uh, close uh, close with it. I actually have been tweeting out the uh, top 32 summary of the PTQs that, that's been happening. For those who doesn't know, who don't know, um, uh, to promote and celebrate Pioneer, uh, Wizards of the Coast have set up this week as Pioneer Week, where every day there's going to be a Pioneer PTQ uh, of different times uh, of the day to accommodate different people from around the world, which I think is great. In fact, on Friday, there's going to be a 10 a.m. Pacific one, 10, 10 p.m. Pacific one, and a 7 a.m. Saturday one, uh, Pacific, all, all in Pacific time. So it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty... Pretty brutal, but it's great for grinders. Um, I think that um, the the from the previous BNR announcement, they said that they don't anticipate uh, making a ban yesterday, although that they reserved the right to, and they did not make a ban. And now it's just going to be a two format, uh, two deck format right now. Um, if you've been looking at my uh, tables, it's been like literally a third of the winner circle being mono black aggro, and the third being uh, Field of the Dead uh, ramp decks, whether it's Black-Green or Bant, for example, or even like Mono-Green-Tron, where it's just like, um, it's, it's more of like a ramp to Ulamox sort of deck. And those are clearly the pillar. Like, I've never seen a, f- a competitive format be warped such that, you know, two-thirds of the format is occupied by evenly by two distinct archetypes, which has its uh, ups and downs, I think. I think for someone like me, who is very... <laughs> Um, who likes to have, uh, try to find creative solutions and just try to metagame uh, this sort of a field. I think it's great. Uh, people are complaining about uh, how uh, oppressive Field of the Dead is, which I believe it is. I think it should get a ban because uh, Field of the Dead effectively has banned all the mid-range decks, which may be able to police Model Black Aggro, who has won three of the five PDQs <laughs> in a new format. That's incredible. So um, there's, like a, there's going to be a lot of dom- domino effects, but I certainly do expect uh, heads to roll next Monday when this when they're going to announce the bans. I think Field of the Dead and Smuggler's Copter is going to get the axe. But you know, for the next uh, four or five days until Monday, I think uh, you know people have the license to run amok. Whether it's like Mono Black Aggro, which seems pretty solved right now, and it's go- it's getting really inbred as to uh, so that these like lists are playing narrow cards like Dark Betrayal. That's the one black. Uh, destroy target black creature or infernal reckoning, which is uh, uh, one mana uh, exile target uh, colorless creature, that sort of thing. So it's getting so inbred that people are just like gearing up to be as most efficient for the mirror as well as against field decks as possible. So my advice, I think um, you really can't go wrong with either a green black field ramp as well as mono black aggro. If you want something off the wall, I think Nexus or like a red green gruel aggro deck that has very fat and evasive uh, creatures such as Steel Leaf Champion, Question Beast, Vine Mare, which I think is very good, and Glorybringer, and the 12 elves, the eight uh, lateral elves, and the four once upon a time to always have it. Um, I think something like that is like well situated. I may or may not play the. PTQ on Saturday and whatnot, but if I do, then that's certainly where I'm looking at. So certainly an interesting format. Uh, I, I would say it's a dead format because I expect bans to be uh, happening on Monday, but um, still kind of like uh, Spike's Paradise, if I, uh, if I do say so myself. 
So if you were to somehow call in sick tomorrow, what, what deck would you be playing? <laughs> Probably either like no back cards, green black, which uh, is the name I give gave to the green black field ramp because it more plays out like a traditional green black mid range deck with okay. the best interactions like fatal push, thought seize, abrupt decay, etc., which is lining up very well in this format uh, with a whoops I win button in our promise on the field of the debt uh, package. Other than that, I, I would actually try to play a gruel aggro list with the eight elves and. Uh, maybe eight Rabble Master effects, uh, war, uh, Legion War Boss and uh, Rabble Masters, and have uh, evasive ways to deal a large chunk of damage, whether it's Ember Cleave or Question Beast or Vimer. So Vimer lines up very well against like both Mono Black Aggro as well as Field of the Dead because the zombies cannot uh, block it. It's, uh, it has protection from Black or cannot be block, blocked by Black uh, creatures. So I think those are the two decks where I'll be uh, looking at either Green Black Fields or Gruel Aggro. So no more super big mana, right? I think I don't think it can beat uh, mono black aggro, and until that deck gets nerfed, I'm not interested in playing it. If I'm uh, if I care about uh, winning. Uh, Boshu was telling me uh, today that he plans to play the Friday PTQ, and I think he said there's a Moto tournament on sa- Saturday PTQ that that's modern, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the on Magic Online, it's the modern playoffs. So right. um, you accrue modern point format points by doing well in challenges and leagues. And if you have enough uh, enough points, you get to uh, play in that particular for uh, particular event. So it's going to be like the who's who of the best modern grinders online. But it's not a PT. Okay. Um, is that is that still like Wurza? Is that is that have you kept pulse on that as well? Yeah, I think Smith Urza. I, like it's not my style of deck, but I'd be remiss to just dismiss it right away. Um, I think it's clearly powerful. It's in this very short uh, period of time where Lotus Box started uh, created this uh, deck. It's gotten so much res- uh, so much results. Uh, JP Milwaukee, I believe, was won by Brian Kobo, which uh, who used the uh, Lotus Box Summit uh, uh, Urza deck. Um, and obviously, there was a uh, Star City Games in the first games where uh, in the first week where they created the. Created and brought the deck where five out of the top eight top eights wore uh, uh, Simic Urza decks. So clearly there's something there. My choice would be uh, Eldrazi Tron. I've been using uh, Yama Killer's uh, guide. Oh, this. yeah. You've been crushing yeah. with it. What? I've seen you tweet like this insane record or something. Yeah, I'm like 30 and 7, I believe. And I, I, I'm not even good at like playing mid range and I'm still like pressing random buttons and winning, which is uh, pretty amusing. Um, I believe Karn the Great Creator and Blast Zone have really helped the the uh, deck with Garn, Karn the Great Creator. It now has a nut draw that actually ends the game on the spot a lot of the times. And Blast Zone has helped humans match up on some other um, matchups where it didn't really have an engineered, uh, engineered explosive sort of an effect to sweep up problematic uh, permanents. Now they do with four um, exhibition maps and it's much easier to access. So um, if you mulligan aggressively, I think it's a very powerful deck. And case in point, the trophy leader online in the modern queue by far is Matthias F, I believe, and he's been on each, uh, Eldrazi Tron as well. So actually, I think I'm on track to play Eldrazi Tron, not Neoform, in the modern playoff on this Saturday, which is saying something because I love playing Neoform, but you know, I really don't want to play Neoform in a field for like sh- a Shadow, Humans, Eldrazi Tron, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's probably what I'll be playing. If, if, 
even though it's a known quantity to someone like you, do you think, and it's the trophy-leading deck, I guess, um, is it sort of under the radar, under all of this Wurza stuff, or no? I, I think so, because, okay. like, Urza's getting a lot of, like, noise, uh, a lot of attention, because there's a lot of noise on um, MTG Twitter. It's gotten a lot of paper results. But, like, if you look at the modern challenges, the last four, I believe, have been all won by Eldrazi Tron, but no one wants to talk about it, because people want to keep, like, uh, this in the deck, I'm saying like, oh, your nut draw is like turn three, three, two, or turn three, two matter reshapers. And I used to be like that too, but now you have an actual uh, nut, nut, nut curb <laughs> on the great creator. So I, I, I dismissed it at first, obviously, but you know, I, I kept seeing like Yamakiller and Matthias F have, and like Will Kruger have like great success. I'm like, okay, well, I think I, I owe it to myself to give it a try. You know, let's, let's cast aside all the, uh, preconceptions and try it out and i've been very impressed and but it's not a deck that people like to play you know tron is uh, universally hated by uh most people i believe and this sort of like battle cruiser magic is not something that a lot of people like to play whereas like simic urza is like a lot of interaction cryptic command i'll counter i'll metallic rebuke your stuff or i'll kill your stuff and they also get to play two very bannable cards in mox opal and uh urza as well as oko as well so i mean I think that fits the profile of a lot of people's preference over Eldrazi Tron. So yes, I do believe that Eldrazi Tron has been under the radar and deserve more respect. And I've been trying, I've, I've been tweeting about it, but you know, if uh, people want to ignore it, then good for them. Last question: Is there an actual last question? Is there an actual cabal of this yet, or no? No, okay. as I said, uh, Yamakiller, uh, a streamer, <laughs> I've been uh, I've been watching for a bit, and he's been like crushing with the. Uh, with the deck, and he he was actually part of the reason that inspired me to pick up this deck. And uh, there's like a few people who's like dedicated to Eldrazi Tron. Actually, like his like Patreon cyborg guide was used by like maybe like ten people at the Star City Games Invitational. So a lot of people people picked pick it up, including like Kellen Pastor, who's a Platinum Pro, uh, for example. So I mean, for for the astute grinder and Spike, I think that it shouldn't be a surprise if Eldrazi Tron is played in large numbers at the play, modern playoff, but for some people, it might be a surprise, though. Sweet. All right, let's 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 end it here. Tyler, anyone or anything you want to shout out or mention? Platforms all yours, my friend. Well, I, first of all, KYT, um, <laughs> Andy, Elliot, and Jonathan, thank you for having me on the podcast. This was a lot of fun, and uh, I just want to shout out uh, the two people who helped me win this event. Um, I'll shout them out again: Omar and. Uh, Isaac Crute, who is uh, competing in the next Mythic Championship, actually. He uh, top 60 in the qualifier. Um, and uh, to uh, David Goldfarb, whose house I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the Farb. Oh, yeah. You can never get enough of the Farb, you know? <laughs> he He is also a funny guy. He is also a funny guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Can't get enough of him. So, um, yeah, uh, it was great to um, to be on here. And uh, congrats to Andy. I was really happy for him when he won. Uh, I know that uh, there's there there's it, he's been taking a few shots and and uh, converting recently. So that feels good. Whenever you uh, take your shots and convert, you know, as a grind, you know, you don't get too many uh, shots to convert. Um, even like the best players, you know, let's say they talk to six PTQs, um, 
it's 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 even harder to close one so um yeah happy for andy and uh it's always good to see jonathan and his dimples you know anyways uh thank you very much for having me okay th- thanks for coming on the show tyler and uh we'll, we'll see you soon we'll see you soon all right while his uh while he's all frozen out i'm just gonna try to remove him from the call good, see ya. <laughs> see ya. all right perfect um, wow, what a guest, what a, what a packed episode. Didn't need another guest. Didn't need another guest. It was great. And, uh, so, so let's, let's end it. A- Andy, anything else from you, my man? Uh, I wish I could play Pioneer PTQs, but they just won't let me. Elliot? <laughs> uh, I'm playing in the face-to-face games.com tournament series open this weekend in, in Montreal. It's unfortunately not an open plus, so it's not a PTQ, but I'm going to be battling some modern. Has, has John convinced <laughs> you to lead anyway, or are you just going to run back what you've been playing? Uh, I was going to run back Druid, but I don't own the cards, so I'm now going to play Infect, which is a very similar, very similar style in terms of just trying to kill people, maybe on turn two, hopefully turn three at the latest. Has it was there a reason for it to, to possibly be viable? I know a lot of people were crapping on it for, for the longest time, but uh, is it in a good spot now? Uh, well, like in the ancient times of modern at this point, one of the reasons Infect was so good was because Gataxium Probe gave you full info, so you just got to go all in even when your opponent potentially had removal, and uh, the removal wasn't quite as, as good as it is now. Uh, but on the, other, on the other side of that vein, now you get to just play Oko. So... Uh, both against problematic permanents like Chalice of the Void or uh, maybe Engineered Explosives can be problematic at times. You're no longer concerned about those cards. And it also allows you to win a lot of the longer fair games. So even if you do end up, let's say, going all in and your your money's not good, then you just have Oko to grind the game out later. Giant, anything else? And you agree, you're like, you thinking Infect might be secretly well-positioned? Uh, any last words? Well, uh, I'm going to play in the modern playoffs. Hopefully uh, something good happens. But the week after, I believe, is the face-to-face games.com Open Plus in Vancouver. And I know I've already talked to a few uh, Seattle grinders, and they said they might make their way here as well. So it's, it might be a packed house. And uh, as, uh, as we've mentioned before, the Open Plus will qualify you to the Pro Tour if you win. So it's going it's to be exciting. After this Pioneer Week, I'm going to put some work in the modern dojo slash lab, cabal, cabal, whatever you want to call it, and you know, come up with the best list. And uh, yeah, I'll be taking first, but I invite everyone else there out there to come out, say hi, and fight uh, for second. Yes, I love that. I love that. Um, that's it. I think, uh, I, I guess I guess I have to say this while we're ending here. We'll end the show with Lamar Jackson is a freaking beast. And with that, go ahead, Eddie. <laughs> Go ahead. He's the best player in the league right now. And we're coming for you, Shaheen, and your 49ers. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And well, that, uh, the show went longer than than I expected. More than an hour mark, but over an hour mark, but definitely filled with absolutely uh, useful knowledge for for standard, uh, pioneer, like everything, man. We we went through a lot of stuff. So if you just tuned in, go back and listen or listen to the podcast version. And we will see you next week. Love you all. Good night.